0: Two. Far away like right that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You're so shocked. laughs> <Okay. coughs> we were talking the past few weeks about the cults are awesome, like Sarah. To be able to try to feel what the other person is feeling, to try to, as much as possible, to go back in time and to remember when we were growing up, and to times that by a few times, squared by a few times nowadays, what the boys are going through. So now, we're going to talk about the six kashas. Now, I know there are four kashas in the Haggadah. Those are relatively easy. But we're going to talk about about six kashas. What is it that that the boys are are thinking about? And And then six ways that we find of avoiding the answer. (laughs) We'll take it, we'll do it like that. the six kashas are as follows. Remember that the union of sexuality occupies a tremendous place in the mind of a young man. The whole sugi of that Yetzirah. And these are the following six questions, I believe, that we could say are on his mind. Aleph, what's happening to me? What is this? What am I going through? Ma'o verlai? What is it that I'm going through? These these feelings that I have, are they normal? Remember that, more than anything, kids want to be normal, right? He's a happy child, a boy growing up, having a good time, playing with his friends, going to school, and whatever, and then something is, something weird is going on. So is this normal? Gimel. Why is this so hard for me? Why do I find this more difficult than anything I've ever had in my life? Dalad. Why is the Torah so restrictive? Why is it that the Torah says to everything, no? Everything that I'm feeling... Everything that's that, that I that I'm interested in that I want, why is it the Torah why is it these things never bothered him, you know, he Didn't care what the Torah says, this or that, but why is it now it's bothering him? Why is the Torah Magdil? Why is the Torah make so many grulen? So many restrictions and boundaries. Hey, why am I always failing? I feel like I'm always failing. He's hearing about these boundaries, he's hearing about the restrictions more and more as he's getting older obviously he's hearing more about what's forbidden and and he feels that he's failing he's one. and finally what does the virginal want from me <coughs> what is it that Hashem's wants from me now the It's much easier to get a manishtan out of a kid than these, any of these questions. The manistan is pretty simple to get out of the kid. They practice it in school. They come back, and they, some of them are shy, some of them are more shy, less shy. They stand in the chair. They stand, sit in the chair. But they'll ask the four kashas. But these six kashas, they're afraid to ask. They're embarrassed. The boys are afraid that the very fact that they're asking the question would prove that I'm on a low level. I'm a lower person. If I ask these questions, then I'm confirming that there's something not nice about me. So they're afraid and they're embarrassed to ask. Also, remember that the chinuch that our children are raised with in our homes, all of our homes, some stronger, some less, but the chinuch of the children is to be tzanur. To be, to be modest. We don't realize that how different our homes are than the homes of Mitzrayim. How different our homes are, and from the time that their children, we talk to them about being sanua, about being, about being modest, and how they look, how they talk, the language they use, the way that they appear. It's something which is very, very much a part of how <coughs> we raise them. And as a result of that, which is which is wonderful that we do that, but as a result of that, the boys usually come to the conclusion that these are things that are not sangua, it's not nice, these are things that are not nice. And they naturally, instinctively feel very uncomfortable talking to their parents about. It. It's not nice not sinful. It's not It's not nice. And therefore, it seems that Hashem uh, Hashem, has decided that this is something that I have to take care of myself. I have to just deal with this myself. I can't talk to my parents. I'm embarrassed. There are certain things in life. The kid comes to a conclusion when he's little, this age, that, I can't talk to my parents about this. I'm embarrassed, so it's better to be quiet. So most of the boys... Do not talk to their parents about it. In Orthodox homes, have the non-Jewish homes, maybe in non-religious homes. This is uh, parents sit down with the kids and watch the same shows together. <laughs> but our our boys, <coughs> ninety-five to hundred percent of them, don't don't talk to their parents about it. They just deal with it. Silently, or they talk to, to each other, but they don't talk to their parents about it. So even though they're silent and they're embarrassed, what they do have, which is psychologically an interesting thing, I'm not going to try to analyze this, but they still have tightness against their parents, particularly their fathers. They have tightness. And the tiny is, how, how come you're not helping me? So of course our answer is, like, I don't know what's bothering you. I don't know what's bothering you. So, but they they didn't, you didn't talk to me. So, you know, you'll end up like 30 years later, therapists, or a few years later, therapists, and you should have told me that, you know, you should have told me that it was upsetting you. Uh, I didn't know that you were having a hard time. So, they have tightness. How come we're not able to hear them? How is it possible that we allowed them to just left them to their own devices to do these? to work with these sugies on their own. See, even though these Tainas are not bezgalia, they don't talk about them, but it comes out in different ways. And that's why that's why we see with so many of the boys nowadays, more than ever, even though boys never spoke about it, but the differences with the, the challenges of now, that's why so many of the teenagers, especially the boys, girls in a different way, but the boys, there's so much yeyush, there's so much anger and yeyush, you don't know like what's wrong. What's the matter? Why? What are you upset about? Or what do you have? What are you upset with me? The fathers tell me all the time. You know, My son seems like to be always angry with me, or not happy with me, or doesn't want to be with me. So they're filled with tightness They're filled with tightness against their fathers. You didn't? Didn't you go through this? So don't you know what I'm going through? So how can you not help me? How can how can you understand These are the Rahmanis where's <coughs> how come we don't have any Rachmanis so but the lazy since the boys are embarrassed to bring up these dirty not nice things in their opinion these are not nice things they're embarrassed to bring them up with their with their fathers so they have to look in sodos zorim they have to go to foreign places that means they talk to their friends about it which is really really bad and dangerous they talk to their friends because in every group of friends, there's always one, at least one, that's, that's totally nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's guaranteed. There's always going to be one. There's Xavier. Exactly, there's always going to be one. So like, 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 you know, there's, uh, we used to, when we were kids, we used to watch Leave it to Beaver. I don't know if any of you are old enough for that, but what was that, what was the name of that guy that was then? Wally oh. no Eddie Haskell Eddie Haskell Eddie Haskell, <laughs> Eddie Haskell they named him Haskell they gave him the <laughs> Eddie Haskell was the guy he was the guy right. Wally was his, was, was his brother Eddie Haskell was the guy so there's always an Eddie Haskell every, <laughs> ever, that guy the you know like Eddie Haskell so you know. they turn they turn to their friends mm-hmm. <clears throat> they're turning to the internet to find out they always have access to it no matter what filters, no matter what warnings, no matter how many things you, all the, all the Xavier's and all the Taconis, kids, if a kid wants to, they'll always find a way to get to somebody's phone or to the iPhone <laughs> to an internet. They always, and they start looking things up. They start reading stuff on the internet. Oftentimes it comes with pictures. And, and they will even, even, even the <coughs> technical, let's say they look up to understand, not a bit to see pictures, but they're trying to understand it just <coughs> technically. What is it that I'm going through? What am I experiencing? What is? What, and they try to find that. It's for sure not going to be Alpiru or Hatayr, even if there's something from a psychologist, let's say, it's a more sophisticated kid, and he wants to look up on, online some things about what, what's going on in his life, and the needs that he has, and some things that he's acting out, so he'll try to find it on the computer... He's not going to be getting a, a shmuz from like Rav Shlomo Volbi or the Chavitz time, you understand? So, whatever he's going to be seeing outside of his home is going to just cause more Yayush and more confusion. Now, there are very few parents that actually plan a conversation or conversations with the boys. That's what we have to talk about the next few weeks. How to do this, and then we're going to go through the halachas after Pesach, and and um, and work on specific a specific mahalach of how to help with these things to help our children. Very few parents raise the subject, raise the topic, and if they do, it's usually a reaction to something that happened. Well, it's nine out of ten from parents have the conversation with the kid <coughs> if they found something on the kid's phone. If they found something. There's such a reaction. It's not something which is planned. It's not something which is a conversation. No, there's a problem. And the parents are reacting to the problem. The kid was caught. <coughs> so because the kid was caught texting to a girl, this happens all the time. I have some very from uh, this uh, Arab Shabbos. This person, I, I, he said I met him once at some Shia, I don't remember him, is a Chassid Shagai. And he said that his son was texting to a girl. <coughs> so now, texting to a girl is a problem. In that Certainly in that world, it's a problem. And now he wants to talk to his uh, to his Hanani, uh, whatever his name is. He wants to talk to him. Because there's a problem. There's a problem. Any (coughs) conversation that you have with your son on this Indian that is a response to a problem or that he was caught, the kid really doesn't hear. Doesn't hear what you're saying. All he hears is that I was caught. I'm a disappointment to him. I'm a failure. So... The conversation we have with your kid where you think like you did the most unbelievable parenting thing Because <coughs> you didn't lose your mind, you know, you found something on your kid's phone And instead of, instead of, st- instead of screaming and, and taking, his, taking his phone and throwing it on the floor you, you took your arm, you put your arm around him And he said, you know, let's, let's take a little bit of a walk And you'll turn to him with very, very loving eyes and you say You know, it's okay, I was also You know, I found something on your phone I was also, I was also a teenager. I know what you're going through. So, you, and and you felt like you just promised it was the Academy Award. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get angry. I was so understanding, and, and I and I and I and I uh, said, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. It's okay. It's already no good. Because he was caught. It's it's a reaction. It's a response. And the nature of the typical teenage boy is that even the, the best schmooze that the father gives, since it's a schmooze of, of, no matter how nice you put it, he hears, he hears in that. Teichacha, rebuke. <coughs> he feels humiliated and embarrassed having been caught. So what well, that type of a uh, conversation, as good as you did it, as great as you were, the kid, and the kid might say, thank you, thank you, Daddy, thank you, Abba. But, but uh, the kid usually feels more yeyush, more, more disobedient. You know, my father's on to me, and he caught me. So even if the toichen, even if the content of the conversation was very good content, but the bocher was not koelite. And that, usually the bocher certain sensitive ones maybe, but the bacher generally in that situation doesn't absorb the content. He just, all he can't stop thinking about is how, how hot his ears feel, you know? How ashamed he is. How my father is so disappointed in me. I was caught. So, one of the main reasons we're, we're learning this sugi together is how we should be able to talk to the boys not a, as a reaction or a response. Sometimes you have to. There's no choice. But that's not the chachil. We're working on the chachil, talking to the guys as a way of life, not because he was caught, but to, to a preempt. Now, for many, it could already be too late. But it's never too late. There's no yayus. We're going to talk about that. But the lechachila, is not to wait until the kid gets caught, but to preempt it. Then it's not it's not humiliating, it's not embarrassing, it's it's awkward, but awkward is not the same thing as humiliating. It's awkward. So what are the six rationalizations and excuses that people like us come up with not to have these? these conversations. Let's go through them very quickly, and then we'll get a piece from off-cook. What are the six, so we have the six kashas? It's going through the boys' minds and hearts, and they're waiting for, they're waiting for their fathers to help them. They're waiting for, and so I've They're waiting for someone to help them. Ah, uh, did, they didn't ask us the kashas. Doesn't make a difference. They expect us to know the kashas. <coughs> So at this point in the Seder, they are all starting to It doesn't help the kid. Honestly, it's very, very nice. So why don't we answer the caches? Why don't we have these conversations? Aleph. Six excuses and rationalizations. Now here's the toughest nut to crack. There's the ideological silence. What do I mean by that? It means that the father sees a conversation about personal, these personal matters, intimacy, and so on. He sees this as being very dangerous to have with a boy. And that whatever I might stand to gain, I'm going to lose. Why should I go and destroy the temimas of my beautiful little boy? I have this beautiful little boy who's totally innocent. <coughs> Totally innocent. He's a yeshiva bacher. He's innocent, and I, by talking to him about how the body works, and about how the taivas work, by having this conversation with him, I myself, I myself, am the one who was agitating. I myself am the one who was causing him to think about these things. He was just—he was just a sweet, innocent boy. Some whatever eleven, twelve year old boy, and his own father went be a dying To to spoil, to ruin, that beauty, and that taimimus. To me, we'll talk about things that are not that are not sneezed Now, of course, there's something in that. There is something in that that we worry about. There's there's truth in that. There is something in that. But the price or the risk of remaining silent. Is much, much greater. It is much, much greater. First of all, Al P. Rove, the fathers are completely delusional to think that the kids are so innocent. That's Al Pirov. Starting at a very early age now, the kids are not innocent. Doesn't mean they're doing bad things necessarily, but they've seen stuff, they've heard stuff. So Al Pirov, you're having that conversation, is not going to be raising a subject that is that he never heard of and he's going to go crazy with, and that you got him all worked up and nervous, he never heard of these things. It's very, very unlikely. The chances are nowadays that that Tamimus that we're all dreaming of and we hope for when we send him to the school that we choose, that that Tamimus was already shattered in the back of the bus. Some kid with the, uh, with the Eddie Haskell conversation was already destroyed was somebody destroyed someplace in the ba- and a bus or on the staircase in the yeshiva or somebody that showed him something. So the assumption nowadays that the kid is, to me, mistake, <coughs> is usually uh, naive. Just very, very naive. The kids are not, to me, mistake. The boys are not, to me, mistake. I'm not talking about having a conversation with a seven or eight or nine. They went older. they're not, they're not, they're not, to me, um, They've seen stuff. Other people's smartphones they've seen stuff, they've heard stuff, they know there's something going on. So the risk of remaining silent, because you have this svara, that I want my child to be pure, although there is something to that, but lamaisa it's not realistic, it's very naive. The kids are not temimistic, and and therefore we have to talk to them. So that's the first rationalization. Base. And Here's Here's my favorite, my favorite meaning this is the one that I, one that I lived with, this was the one that I used, nobody ever spoke to me about it, nobody ever spoke to me about it, and, and, uh, I, and I turned out great. <laughs> so there are a couple of problems with that. First of all, I didn't turn out great. So that, that, that whole thing is like, no, nobody ever spoke to me about it, and everything's fine. Everything is fine. You know, most of us could spend the rest of our lives on a couch with a therapist. If he had the time, if he had the money. Everything is not fine. There are all kinds of things. It comes out in different ways. So the to say that nobody ever spoke to me. And even if it would be true, and we are fine. Nobody ever spoke to me about this. My father never said a word to me about this stuff. Even if that's... even. If it's true that I'm okay, despite the fact that my father didn't talk to me about it, it's a different world we're living in. I know it sounds very old fashioned to say, but Mesa, the times have changed. And we always talk about this it's not just that they've changed over the past twenty thirty years they've changed over the past three months over the past five months it's just not the same we're not in the same we're not in the same world and the fathers that still use this excuse that I'm just going to continue on with the Masara that I have of silence. Because <coughs> my father didn't speak to me, and my grandfather never spoke to my father, and the elders I never spoke to. And we all go all the way back to and all the way back to the beginning. But nobody ever spoke to anybody about these things, and we seem to have produced very holy Jews. And you look on your wall in your house, you have a picture of the elders, longer and you say, Nobody ever spoke to him. A bad look at him. <laughs> Who spoke to him? His grandfather spoke. His father spoke to him. Nobody ever spoke to anybody. And look how they came out. He was a totally Jew. So I'm going to continue on with that Messiah. Seems to have worked. For all these generations it worked. So why am I going to start messing around with this stuff? It's uncomfortable. It's weird. I- I'm not going to talk about it. And it will turn out okay any anybody that says that or anybody that thinks that is is so completely out of touch with, reality, with the reality of what the Bokhram de Haidna, with our Bokhram nowadays, what they're contending with, has no comparison to the to what we what we even had to even the ones who are not old over here, even the ones who are thirty years old, twenty five, thirty years old, thirty five years old. It's an undervel. Even the boys are now twenty three, twenty four, the sixteen, seventeen year olds, it's a different world. I'm is a different world. So now we're living in a world where every to'eva, every abomination is is in the person's pocket. He's walking around with it in his pocket. It's a different it's a completely different world. There's no such thing anymore as b'chutz of him. We've spoken about this outside, inside, everything is everything is there. And it was never like this in the past. And and there's no mukam, there's no uh, ir mikla, there's no makom flat, there's no place to go, there's no place to hide from it. And this is the Ichani design. A victor said the Mashiach, before Mashiach comes, this is an e sign. There was never an E sign like this to this, in this way in our history. So our what we went through, our grandfathers and great grandfathers can compare to what the boys are contending with nowadays. So any tiny that a person has, where, where the wife says to the husband, you know, maybe you should talk to maybe you should talk to Chaim about this Indian. Is he ready a mitzvah? Maybe you want to talk to Chaim about it. And the response is um, yeah, we didn't. We didn't talk about. You know, I, I, that's not my. That's not my way. That's not my way to talk about these things. Is uh, is is have a It's just have a <coughs> I saw something in in in, in the, the safest shol by Hashem. Shol B'chir Hashem is the Tolders, the biography of one of the great tzaddikim of Shol from the Kashi and they saw something unbelievable. That he brings from the Khsam Saif. is unbelievable. At the end of his life, the Khsam Saifah suffered terribly, terribly from urinary problems. He's terrible, he had terrible yasur in that part of the body, Bruce. Terrible, terrible yasur. And the Ksam Saifa understood, he believed that he was being punished in a shamay, that he did not speak publicly, as often as he should have, about this avoda of Tikun Habris, of Tikkun Hayasad. Khsamsaferabonam Hamastiram Hadvarum Khsamsayfer says those rabbis who hide this, and are embarrassed to speak about things these things in public. He means with the with the men, It doesn't mean with the women, to speak in, about it in public, to give shiurim and to talk about it. Adraba, Machshil Mesharam. A causing the people to sin. And then listen to this. He writes there, because at the end he had to have a head, to have a catheter, and it was very primitive in those days. The whole thing was bezjans. And Ishkad, like the Chsam Seifer, that he was very nispal. The Chsam Seifer said at the end of his life, when he was having the, the, this catheter put in, he said that me listen to this he didn't understand why would this happen to me. I never once in my life was pergum in Bruce. never once in my life I never once in my life touched my bruise in such a way so he was wondering why would I be punished in this way that Dafko I'm being punished by that part of my body I was never pergum in the Bruce. he said this he said this publicly So it's brought down this uh, from from the culture year above <coughs> that the Khsam Saifa says Shemanisham Aysa Mahshamayim <laughs> is being punished m'a with this Inyan. the <laughs> Because the whole year he never spoke about this subject. He never spoke to anybody about about he never spoke to the, the Yeshiva or to the men about this Inyan. Rak Pam Bishana. Only every year, he would mention this when Bilel Kolnidrei. The only time he would ever speak about this to warn the people or to mention it was the night of Kolnidrei. Right, Sarek so Hashan. said I should have spoken about this much more often, and he understood that. That's why in he's being punished through the suffering that he was having, that part of his body. Chavosheim brought down in the Tulsa of Chavosheim that he would talk to the he would talk to his sons when they came after the Bar when they were 13, 14 years old he would talk to all of to his sons. I'm talking about 100 years ago more. Pratay pratim the would talk in detail to his sons about the, their body and how their body works and about this Taiva. He would speak to them about it. And he would encourage them to talk to him about it whenever they had on their mind what they wanted to discuss with The Chavitzchai was more modern than us, the Chavitzchai. So, this Svara that it'll just be okay, no one ever spoke to me about it, so I don't have to speak to my son about it, is, is uh, delusional, it's nonsense. Gimel. Another rationalization, for excuse for not talking about it. <coughs> I don't know what the, the excuse, I don't know what to talk about. I don't know how. I don't know what to say. I, I'm not sure what to say. Of course now that's a problem. So even parents now we're talking about parents who understand the chashivas of discussing this. And they want to discuss it. But this conversation that they want to have is sitting that becomes chemistik already over time. And they don't have this conversation. Because the because the father is wondering what should I say and how should I say it how far do I go with this conversation what should I not say what's not proper and so on I have to prepare more for this I have to speak to a therapist about it I have to so the conversation is put off it's delayed. this person already wants to give it, wants to have this wants to have a discussion but he keeps on putting it off Th- that's that's gimbal dalit Now, this already touches a, a, a very deep and in the mentality and the psychology of a, of a father. What makes this very, very uncomfortable for a father to talk about this son is that for the first time, he, he is presenting himself with mom as a man and a woman not just as an institution called parents. I don't think I have to explain that. You understand, it's a very, very deeply uncomfortable feeling because all the kid is thinking while dad is talking is that, like you and mom, right? Like that stuff, you, you, you did that stuff. That's how I got here, you, you did stuff like that? Ah, that's disgusting. That's what he said to me. <laughs> yeah. he said, this is Irish. So that's like you actually you actually like i thought you I thought you guys are you know i thought you you're, you're okay, I thought you're normal people, so parents in the kid's mind is just like this institution called parents, and how did the kid come through with <laughs> the but but we thought that he was you know like maybe in an immaculate conception or something. <laughs> But do you tell them no, all Only only Oslo comes to the world. <laughs> they were, only, dad, only, only they only, only claim that about one about one uh, about one uh, of a desire. one is This that, that's not how it happens. That means that <clears throat> it means that you and mom actually. That's so now. That's a very deeply deeply uncomfortable thing. We're also people who are We're we're humble. We're modest people. And to cross over and to actually like open that up to the kid. That this is how you came to the world and 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 this is what mommy and daddy this is how mommy and daddy live. Zalonaim. I don't know if it's not it's not comfortable. It's, it's very, very it's very hard. So this is another thing. Again, it's not a rationalization, it's just it's hard to bring yourself to do that, to put yourself into that new and strange position. That Now my kids can look at me differently. Like the kid passes the, passes the bedroom, looks at the bedroom as something different than he did in the past, where little kids will just walk into their parents' bedroom and they feel like, you know, they're just like, like, like anybody else, but now like something weird is going on. So it's very uncomfortable to talk about this. Thing. Again, people grew up... About children who grew up with, you know, with their parents and they're open about these things, or so then it's much, much easier. But those who grew up in, in, in strictly Orthodox homes, so they things mean, were very tsanua. Things are very hidden. And uh, mom and daddy don't even uh, necessarily physically in front of the children. They're not, they're not acting out physically. They're not talking. not talking about parents. or mm-hmm. They're not sitting around. Uh, they're not sitting around in any way. Doing things in front of children, hugging or kissing in front of children, and so on, saying things. behaviors. kids didn't grow up seeing that in their homes, in the homes of Orthodox people. And uh, and now all of a sudden, my parents, <coughs> my parents are like, uh, so to present yourselves in, in this light to a child, when you were trying to be the Malach, and now all of a sudden you're not a Malach. And you're telling your kid that I'm not a malach, and the kid doesn't understand the the, uh, the of this. So it, now I'm taking my position as being a malach, and I'm and I'm admitting that I'm a behavior And and uh, which of course it's not, but the kid doesn't understand that, and you feel it. It's, you feel very embarrassed. <clears throat> so that's the fourth reason why this conversation is taking a long time to happen. With these conversations, with this way of talking taking a long time. The fifth is a very interesting one. Now this, this is an interesting one. I agree. Here's the here's the fifth father. I agree that this that this needs. I agree that my kid needs to know about this stuff. But why does it have to be me? He goes. Very fine, Yeshiva. I'm, I'm giving this place like most of my panacea. <laughs> I give to this. I give to this place. He's got like forty five assistant principals and rebellion oh. and teachers and so on. I don't know I'm an i I don't know how to present this. I don't know what the Torah's view is on sexuality, honestly. I don't know. No one ever explained it to me. I'm not sure what to say. So the the um so the father says let, let, let the look the yeshiva should be teaching. <coughs> the yeshiva should be teaching the students. Now, of course, the Rebbeim are thinking that no, that's w- 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 why, why would that be my responsibility? Okay. This is part of the child's Teva. The same way that you give the kid to eat, and you're in charge of his clothing, and you're in charge of his medical inyanim, that's his Teva. Shemimela. That's the achreis of parents. It's not, it's not an achreis of a rabbi to talk about these things. So, be The the rebellion, the school gives over the achrayas, full achrayas The talk that the parents should be talking, the father should be talking to the boys about this stuff. We'll just learn about here, and we'll learn a little halach, a little navi. Everybody's happy. Torah. We'll talk about, give some shmuzn about yeshamaim in a general way. We'll talk about yeshamaim, but we're not going to talk about the Indian. The Indian is not just about yeshamaim. Talk about Whatever your problem is, you just, just need to learn more. You just need to learn more. <clears throat> like I was saying I think when, uh, in Chabur the other day, when, when we were kids, there was a thing called Aspir gum. I don't know if you ever heard of that. There was aspirin that was in a gum. And when you were in camp, there was an infirmary in camp, and there was, uh, there was a chassizah lady that was running the infirmary, no matter what you came into the infirmary, <laughs> you had a slish. <laughs> My <arm was> <laughs> she was always She was always sitting and reading some novel or something, and she would look at you, and she would push some of his aspergums. He had a broken leg. She was. He had a broken leg. Whatever it had. He had a heart attack. It <laughs> made no difference. He had, she had aspergums. <laughs> <laughs> And you'll be fine. And call me in the morning. That was the infirmary. <laughs> <laughs> so so the Rebbe is giving this the Yoshamaim Shemul. So he's saying the Iker is to learn more, the Iker is to learn more, and then everything's going to be fine. But Rebbe, the Iker is to learn, to Yer And you can say, oh, well, you know, all kinds of chazals and fancy things about Yoshamaim and about learning and so on. So the rebellion feel that they're doing their job. They were talking about the Inyin. But we're, patching, we're packaging it in the cure. The cure is a t- the tar is a t- <coughs> is a problem. the terror is the problem. a horror is the problem. terror is the problem. I'm learning with the kid all day long. That's my job. You're supposed to be talking about the actual subject. I'm talking about the cure. Terror is the cure. So each one, each one is passing responsibility over to the other. At the end of the day, the issue is that the Bacha doesn't hear anything from anybody. <laughs> the Bacha doesn't hear anything from anybody. It doesn't get. It doesn't get it at home. It doesn't get it from the rebbeim. The kid doesn't hear. Now the truth is, I believe that the yeshivas should be talking nowadays, and the rebaim should be if the rebbeim are prepared. So you don't want some you don't want some guy that's not prepared to to, to tamper with that. But if there would be if there would be um, special shiur therapists coming. Rebellion who are more learned in this area would come and sit with the teachers and sit with the rebellion and to prepare them with a curriculum for how to teach and to talk about this Indian. The truth is it would be a good thing if it could be done properly, of course that's not so positive to be done properly, but if it could be done properly, it would be wonderful, but that is only to to be marshaled in the Indian, according to the Torah The responsibility of course of this is not the rebellion, it's not the rebellion. the rebellion are not guilty for not talking about this and in many ways it's better that they don't it's the responsibility of the father to talk about this, not not the responsibility of the rabbi and Mr. the teva the teva of a child is something that the house is about that's his place, that's his home that's his teva it's the, it's the parent's job to talk about teva and the last the sixth rationalization and excuse is that Going back to what I just said a moment ago, that I was not professionally trained. Nobody trained me. I don't, I don't know how to do this. It's similar to, the, it's similar to what what uh, we were talking about in number three, that I don't know what to talk about. That's more about the token. Here is, I, I never received any Hadracha, so how could I possibly be successful? Was, I didn't go to any classes. I didn't speak to any professionals. I, I don't know what to do. So here... It's a very, very big yesod. we're going to learn this little tire this little from Avkuk. The yesod over here is that if Hashem has sent that kid to you, <clears throat> it means that that kid came together with the kachis that you need and the words that you need and the kishvenis that you need in order to be able to help that child. Not just with paying for his education, not just with the paying for his clothing and his food, but Hashem's Baruch brought that child and you're going to have to be able to help that child with what he needs to deal with. How could that be? Hashem's planted an intuition into the minds into the hearts of the parents that a father and a mother who, who truly, truly, deeply want to have his cash with the child and want to be able to save this child and to help this child, Hashem's Baruch gave the parent and gives the parent this year to the to say the right words and to do the right things. But you have to dive in hard for that. You have to ask Hashem for help. Look at what cook says. This is in the this is in the at the end of the Vidui of Yom Kippur. So we say everybody knows, everybody knows the words, Alakai, Until I was created, I wasn't worth being created. and now that I've been created, it's kilo. I wasn't created. I'm like dirt in my life, and certainly when I die, I'll be dirt. So look at look at Rav Cook. kilo we will just go two minutes over. Rav Kook writes Before I was created, That whole time that passed, whatever thousands of years that passed. I, was created. I wasn't created, I was needed in the world. There wasn't anyone who needed me, and there wasn't a need to me yet in the world. That's why I wasn't created earlier. Because if I was lacking, if my presence, if my being alive in the world was missing, because there was some tachlis that I had to, that I had to take care of by being in the world, then Ha'yissi notes that Hashem would have created me. Hashem would have made me earlier. I would have been made in the 1700s or the 1500s if, there, if that was my tachlis, if that was my need. The <coughs> But since I was not created until whenever I was born until now, hu'ayissi, it's a sign. Sh'lo ad oz That I wasn't k'dayi, to be created until Hashem created me. It wasn't Kedai. <laughs> <laughs> the only tzarach, the only need that Hashem has for me began from that time. He said, Now, this Neshama, you come over here. It's your time. Go. You're in. <laughs> because the hour has arrived of my creation, of my my coming into the world, Mm -hmm. because the time has come where Hashem needs me, to fix, to do something that only I could do in the world. And if I would concentrate and I would focus my attention to work Al briosi. For So why Hashem's said, "Now you're in the world." Hidden the Then I would feel that my mo- my life is Kedai. My life is worthwhile living. This is what we're saying by viduri. But since what I do in my life ain't meis to what I'm doing in my life is not conforming. To the Takhlis for which I was sent, why God put me here. I'm not doing the what, what I was supposed to do. That means I have not yet justified my being born, my being in the world. And I'm still not Kedai. My life is still not worthy of being alive. Like before I was born, what's different? I'm not living the life that I'm supposed to be living. Now I I saw this around 25 years ago; it shook me to the core. If you think about it, you you might just tuck in all the rest of your papers and put into Seamus for Pesach. But if you if you think about it, it was after we say Now I was created. It means. Uh, it means it's like it's my time has come my time has come these years my life has come since creation my nashon was waiting and now my time has come before before because there wasn't yet that tachlis of my life of why I had to be born but then you sent me into the world in my life with my parents exactly as you wanted exactly as was was needed for me to fulfill my ta'chans. But I'm admitting to you, this is a vidwe. V'achshav sh'natz'arati it's k'il lo'natz'arati. Achshav sh'natz'arati k'il lo'natz'arati. I've been created, but I feel it's k'il lo'natz'arati. I feel like there was no point in creating me if I'm not fulfilling my ta'chans. And therefore, harinil fanach a'chli mo'libu sh'okli. I'm a I'm humiliated and embarrassed." That means name. if the shlalom, if Shlom saw to it, that not only that we ourselves were created, but that he brought these children into our lives, and you could say, the Nahat Morgan, I didn't want to have that many kids, or I ordered a different kid, something went wrong in the uh, postage or something happened I got the wrong kid this is I got. I, I, I didn't ask for this kind of kid and that's exactly you were created that was your time and that was the time for your child to be brought to you and therefore there is no greater tachles that you and I have there is no greater tachles that you and I have that makes our lives kidai sheno tzayati is knowing That if Hashem created us and He gave us these children, that only you and I have the ability to give that child, those children, what they need. Whether there's one kid, and I'll have this conversation with somebody that has one child, I can't, it's too much, whether there are 13, 14 kids, whatever it is, you can't say any Kedai. You can't say. Hashem's book saw that it is Kedai, and He created you, and those children He gave to you because He said those children are Kedai. Kedai to come to the world through you. It means that even if there is a rabbi that's good and says some good stuff, it's not the same thing. That's that's terrific to be to have a rabbi like that. But Hashem has boch entrusted you and I with these children. That means that he that means that that's our tachlis, and if he entrusted us with these children, it means that if we want and we daven and we try, that Hashem will help each and every one of us to fulfill our tachlis and give our children <laughs> what they need from us. We can't. We just think that we can't. Because I don't have a degree in this, I don't have a degree in that. We can. Now because we feel that we can't, we're going to be talking about a lot of things that will help us to get chizuk about how much we can. That's what we're going to be doing over the next few months. How much we can. And what we can talk about. Sayon al and in Machshara, and an avayda an to talk about what we can Because we need to talk about it. Because we feel that we can't. But in is the, the most important thing is that for each and every one of us must feel panimi, panimi, pnimi, pnimi. That the Bani Shalom said, I'm kidai. And I'm kidai to raise this kid. With all of his inyonim, I'm kidai. And this is my tachlis to raise this kid. And therefore, the Bani Shalom didn't leave me by myself. He didn't leave me alone. It's not half I just have to try and have to daven, and I don't have to have any degrees for this. You don't have to have any degrees. I'm kidai, and this is my tachlis. this is my shlichas, and I'm going to do my shlichas, The what wants me to do. I ask for the Mishalech to give me sayate He sent me to do this. I, and I can say, Baruch I, do I, I, I don't know what to do with this kid. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help him. How do I help him? I'm begging him. How do I help him? And, and, and whatever we can do, so we we'll go to go to the oil, go to Rabbi Shimon, go go to Uman. But, uh, whatever we have to daven in the air, can go to <laughs> speak to somebody who knows. And, but I'm kedai. I am kedai <coughs> because this is what you gave me, and therefore the ikur is to know that I'm kedai. Akshav This is my life. I'm taking responsibility for my life. I'm going to talk about that in Shabbos I just started thinking about this last night a little. I have no idea to talk about this in Indian. For everybody for the whole oil to take responsibility and I'm kidding. that's the olive base of all that we're learning oxygen <laughs> anxiety not key outside oxygen anxiety I roll up my sleeves and I get to work that's the with everything life will be in the sugya that we're in mr some will continue with this conversation after how much can you do on your own and how